of the beast. Madhura Gita, by the sweet singing, which is made more beautiful, by Jayanti, the garment named by Jayanti, Swam, Pison, Vanamala, Garland, Neelavasaha, Covered with blue garments, sorry, garments. Eka Kundalaha, wearing only one ear. Hala Kakuti, on the handle of a plow. Krita, place. Subhaga, auspicious. Sundara, beautiful. Bhujaha, hands. Bhagavan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Mahayindraha, the king of heaven. Varana Indraha, the elephant. Iva, life. Kanjani, golden. Kaksham, bell. Udara Lilaha, engaged in transcendental pastime. Bhati, wears. Shukadeva Goswami continued, the demigods, the demons, the Uragas, serpentine demigods, the Siddhas, the Gandharvas, the Vidyadras, and many highly elevated sages constantly offer prayer to the Lord. Because he is intoxicated, the Lord looks bewildered and his eyes appearing like flower in a full bloom move to and fro. He pleases his personal associates, the heads of the demigods, by the sweet vibrations emanating from his mouth. Dressed in bluish garments and wearing a single earring, he holds a plow on his back with his two beautiful and well-constructed hands. Appearing as white as the heavenly King Indra, he wears a golden belt around his waist and a vijayanti garland of ever-fresh tulasi blossoms around his neck. Bees intoxicated by the honey-like fragrance of the tulasi flowers hum very sweetly around the garland, which thus become more and more beautiful. In this way, the Lord enjoys his magnanimous pastimes. Verse 8 Ye esha evam anishrudo dhyayamano mukshuna anadikala karma vasana gradhitam avidya mayam hrudaya grandhim sattva rajas tamo mayam andal hrudayam gata ashu nirbhinnati tasyanu bhavan bhagavan Swayam bhuvo naradaha saha tumburuna sabhayam brahmanaha samshlokayam asa If persons who are very serious about being liberated from material life hear the glories of Anandadev from the mouth of a spiritual master in the chain of disciplic succession and if they always meditate upon Sankarsana, the Lord enters the core of their heart vanquishes all the dirty contamination of material modes of nature and cuts, into, cuts to pieces the hard note within the heart which has been tied tightly since time immemorial by the desires of 
desires to dominate material nature through fruitive activities. Narada Muni, the son of Lord Brahma, always glorifies Anantadev in his father's assembly. There he sings blissful verses of his own composition accompanied by his stringed instrument or a celestial, or, or a celestial singer known as Tumbudu. Pakwad by his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada Kijaya. None of these descriptions of Lord Anandadev are imaginary. They are all transcendental, blissful and full of actual knowledge. However, unless one hears from, hears them directly from a bona fide spiritual master in the line of disciplic succession, one cannot understand them. This knowledge is delivered to Narada by Lord Brahma and the great saint Narada along with his companion Tumburu distributes it all over the universe. Sometimes the Supreme Personality of Godhead is described as Uttama Shloka, one who is praised by beautiful poetry. Narada composed various poems to glorify Lord Ananta and therefore the word Samshlokayam Asa praised by selected poetry is used in this verse. The Vaishnavas in the Gaudiya Sampradaya belong to the disciplic succession stemming from Lord Brahma. Lord Brahma is the spiritual master of Narada. Narada is the spiritual master of Vyasadeva and Vyasadeva wrote Srimad Bhagavatam as a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. Therefore, all devotees in the Gaudiya Sampradaya accept the activities of Lord Ananda related in the Srimad Bhagavatam as authentic and they are thus benefited by going back home, back to Godhead. The contamination in the heart of a conditioned soul is like a huge accumulation of garbage created by the three modes of material nature, especially the modes of rajas, passion, and tamas, ignorance. This contamination becomes manifest in the form of lusty desires and greed for material possessions. As confirmed herein, Unless one receives transcendental knowledge in disciplic succession, there is no question of his becoming purified of this contamination. ಸ್ಥಾಪಿತೀಗುರುಣಾಧಾನ್ಯಂತೈತಂಸಜೀವಂ ಶ್ರೀ ರಾಧಾಕೃಷ್ಣಪಾದ ಸಗಣಲಲಿತಾ ಶ್ರೀ ವಿಶಾಖಾನ್ಯತಾಂಚಾಕೃಷ್ಣಕರುಣಾಸಿಂಧೋ ದೀನಬಂಧೋ ಜಗತ್ಪತೆ ಗೋಪೇಶ ಗೋಪಿಕಾಕಾಂತ ರಾಧಾಕಾಂತ ನಮೋಸ್ತುತೆ ತಪ್ತ ಕಾಂಚನ ಗೌರಾಂಗೀ ರಾಧೇ ವೃಂದಾವನೇಶ್ವರಿ ವೃಷಭಾನುಸುತೆ ದೇವಿ ಪ್ರಣಮಿ ಹರಿಪ್ರಿಯ ವಾಜಗತ್ಪತಿ ಕೃಪಾ ಸಿಂಧುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮೋ ನಮಃ ನಮೋ ವಿಷ್ಣುಪಾದ 
कृष्ण प्रश्नाय भूतले श्रीमते भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी नामिने नमस्ते सारस्वते देवे गौरवाणी प्रचारिणे निर्विशेष शून्यवादी पाश्चात्य देशतारिणे जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु निनंद श्री अद्वैत गाथा श्रीवासादि गौर भक्त वृंद हरे कृष्णा कृष्णा हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे भूतेर्महापुरो विभु निर्माशेदूष पुरुष भुंते गुणा षोडश षोडशात्मक सोलंक शिष्ट भगवान वचासी मे हरे कृष्णा here we have such a fantastic description of ananta dev is given the whole chapter is the glories of lord ananta dev who is situated at the bottom of the universe even beneath patalaloka he is holding the whole universe on his foot just like a mustard seed so it's insignificant for him at the same time when we are approaching such far out descriptions of ananta dev or the supreme personality of godhead we need to be mindful because it could be misconstrued by materialistic people and also the part of us where we have materialism in our heart so in other words it is a challenging topic for materialists of course and also a part of us which is contaminated by materialism thus in sisha upanishad it is mentioned that we need to know material knowledge and spiritual knowledge simultaneously so material knowledge is considered as ignorance as it is mentioned vidyamcha avidyamcha yes tat vidok ubhayam saha so one should understand both ubhayam vidya and avidya both ubhayam both should be understood and it is qualified vidyam amrutam sorry avidya amrutam tirtva vidya amrutam ashrute so from ignorance what happens one cannot we can get only repeated birth and death mrityu and amrutam one gets eternal life so there is a difference between knowledge and ignorance at the same time shri shobhanishad recommends to know both knowledge and nescience simultaneously the 11th mantra of shri shobhanishad this is very much applicable in a devotee's life because when we approach shrimad bhagavatam we also need to know the defects of material knowledge we need to know defects of materialism and defects of uh, the consumeristic society it is very important that we know otherwise we will not be able to put our full faith in spiritual life 
if one does put faith on spiritual life and is not as simply based on faith and based on just sentiments it can be challenging when some questions come if someone challenges that's why vidya and avidya have to be known simultaneously for example we need to know the defects of materialism otherwise we can run after newer and newer products for material enjoyment you need to get the this brand to be happy and if you already have this brand then you need to give the get the latest version so in this is materialism if you don't understand the nature of materialism if you don't understand the nature of consumerism one can easily fall trap of it so one has to be very careful if we don't understand that the material world or the material energy will not deliver what it promises one may toil hard in this material world so the material energy will promise many things happiness satisfaction enjoyment many many things but that is not really a deliverable it is not never coming to us it is there is a temporary sensation of happiness is there but it is going to go away so we have to be very careful about that the same principle is applicable even in terms of material relationships sometimes even devotees think my colleague at work or my childhood friends can know me better because the devotees are not understanding me well they are always talking about think about krishna chant krishna same do service they are not really understanding my heart so even a devotee can think like that and one may think my colleagues are better people or those are materials and that is another trap so we need to know that that is also a trap of material energy i remember a nice story told by ramai samaras you are selling one devotee after being a devotee for many years living in the temple suddenly one thought came to his mind i had to develop friendship with my childhood friends and particularly one person was there so he was thinking okay i had to establish friendship with him because we were such good friends now i had to go and meet him so he went into this kind of an illusion that i had to meet my friend there was no particular krishna conscious purpose like you know i had to preach to him or give a book or nothing like that so he left the temple he went to his will uh, country countryside wherever it was and he knocked the door so his childhood friend came out so he told look we were classmates we were childhood best friends so that guy asked straight on the face so what <laughs> so when he had so what <laughs> then all the illusion went away he understood okay this is this was an illusion so what it's not a big deal this is how material friendship is because they cannot really help us for a long time they can only bring us down in our krishna consciousness they cannot elevate us so one may uh, take us to a trip in this material world further and one may lose one's krishna consciousness nothing else is going to happen so we had to be educated about the nature of material world and defects of this material world so this is part of our education so it is not just fantastic stories about krishna or other incarnations but 
defects of material world is very important. And the material knowledge in itself is defective. Important point. Material knowledge in itself is defective. And the methods to acquire material knowledge is defective. <laughs> you know, we hear in C Shop at the very beginning the four defects. To err is human, to be illusion. And then uh, imperfect senses. And on top of that, one thinks that one knows everything. So, cheating propensity. So, this is the material world, and this is the four defects are there with this material knowledge. And even the knowledge acquisition in itself is defective. So, the knowledge can never be perfect. So, we had to be very careful about it. Interestingly enough, there were, or there were few studies done on research itself. Research on research, okay? How people do conduct research. And there are many, many published works, right? Brajaraj mm -hmm. knows about it, all about publications. So, there are so many published works and they started to research on how many of these published results are reproducible. So, 2015, they did a study on the field of psychology. How many of these published research works are actually reproducible or in other words are they really true <laughs> and in the study of course they have studied everything but the, the the works they have studied they found out that they could only reproduce 40% of the published work <laughs> and then they studied some medical field like you know oncology and they found that only 10% of the published works were reproducible. So that became a hot topic and they started probing why such a thing happened. Okay, one is one can be fraudulent, <laughs> one can cheat. But they found out that even if one is not cheating and even if one is thoroughly honest, materially speaking, still one is prone to make many kind of mistakes. So there are many kind of illusions that are uh, very prominent. Mm -hmm. One of them, they called it as uh, hypothesis myopia. <laughs> hypothesis myopia, you know myopia, right? Short sightedness. Mm -hmm. So you can only see something which is very close to me. So the, I can see the microphone, but I cannot see anything beyond. So this is hypothesis myopia. One is so short sighted about their own hypothesis. So that what they do, that they accept only selective evidences which support the hypothesis. Other evidences are discounted. So this is a big problem. Even the evidences which are against this hypothesis, they are not taken seriously. Actually, this is the basis of this famous book written by uh, Michael Cremo. What is his name? Uh, Dhruta Karma Prabhu. Forbidden Archaeology. So, Forbidden Archaeology is challenging uh, Darwinian evolution. The basis of this book is there are so many evidences that do not support Darwinian evolution. So, in, in accepting and uh, hypothesizing this Darwinian evolution, all these evidences are discounted. And only the evidences that support they take. So, selective referencing, selective evidences. So, this is one issue. Hypothesis myopia. So, this is when it comes to Darwinian evolution, it is not very innocent, but there are a lot of politics involved. There are a lot of politics involved. It is not just a 
simple thing. So that is called the politics of knowledge. Politics in knowledge. Those who speak anything against Darwinian evolution, they lose their academic career. They are banned. <laughs> that is a very interesting video about this. Um, I forgot the title of the video. But many scientists and, and academic staff, they speak out. How their career got ruined. How their career got ruined. Because they spoke something against the Darwinian evolution. Some are biologists. Some are even uh, astronomers. They spoke something about artificial intelligence. They just mentioned something about artificial intelligence in one of their papers. And they got banned. So that's how it is. So there's a lot of politics in knowledge. So partially it can be because of the tendency to err. And partially it is the politics. So this is one kind of problem in acquiring knowledge in the material world. Second, if somebody is shooting, okay, somebody is shooting bullets, okay, and they have a target. Suppose you first shoot all the bullets and you draw bullseyes after shooting around the dense marks of bullets, then it is a bit comical, isn't it? First you shoot and wherever the bullets have gone and you draw the bullseye around that. That doesn't make much sense. But even in science, this can happen. Many times that the data that scientists obtain can be very random. But one can create a sensible theory out of those random data. This is another issue. So don't think that the knowledge that the scientists propose are always right. Or most of the times it is wrong. And that's why what we studied maybe 20 years back, it's not true now. So our degree can be in ignorance. Okay? Because that is not true now. So our, we got a degree, but it's in ignorance now. <laughs> it's all proven wrong. And that's why it comes to the point of just storytelling. You get some data and you imagine something and, and creative story writing. So science can even go to that level, and which is true. And a lot of science is in this condition. And that's why we need to know that even the process of knowledge acquisition in science is not perfect. And that will lead us to the real knowledge which is coming from the disciplic succession. When we approach disciplic succession, the first knowledge that we get is there is something beyond matter. That is the starting point. And that is a very critical point. When he speaks to new people, he doesn't get into so many fantastic things like, you know, Ananda Dev or Krishna's pastimes. And that's not our purpose. That we shouldn't speak about all these far out things to new people. Rather, we have to make them think that, okay, there is something beyond matter and who are we. So that is the beginning point. And if one can accept that, that will help them to go further. In terms of modes of material nature, mode of goodness is really good. We are not about mode of goodness, but mode of goodness, one can be contemplative, one can be reflective. And so, one can know that, okay, there is something beyond matter. That is a product of the mode of goodness. Sattva Sanjayate Jnanam. So, what is that Jnanam? I am beyond this matter. So, that is the reason Sattvagun, the mode of goodness is important. Because mode of goodness is the window towards transcendence. 
So modern goodness is not transcendence, but it's a window towards transcendence. So one can start seeing through the modern goodness, but we cannot get out through the window. We need a door. So the door is not modern goodness, but modern goodness can actually show us that there is something beyond. So that is very important. That's why good habits, good lifestyle, they are helpful, they are conducive to accept that we are beyond matter. But still, uh, the transcendental knowledge is above the mode of goodness. That is in pure goodness. It's the beginning point. So, so in Krishna consciousness, is a dynamic process. The real knowledge we get from the spiritual master. And the realization of knowledge takes place depending on the service attitude in the heart of a devotee, depending on the development of one's own Krishna consciousness. So on one side, we can receive knowledge. Okay, there are verses in Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavatam. On one side, we have knowledge that is accessible, which is coming through the disciplic succession. And on the other side, we are the person who are actually perceiving this knowledge, trying to understand this knowledge. So we can access this knowledge as much as we are elevated in our Krishna consciousness. So it is not exactly that we are all going to get the same depth of knowledge in Krishna consciousness. It is very much a variable. And that makes the process of Krishna consciousness very dynamic. So the more purified we are, we can access Bhagavad Gita Bhagavatam more. And less purified we are, we get less. So there is a, a direct connection between our the state of our Krishna consciousness and the knowledge that we are accessing. And that's so in practical example, it's a big step in our Krishna consciousness when we start focusing on Krishna's pleasure and spiritual master's pleasure rather than our own gross or subtle sense gratification. So our consciousness can be covered a lot by thoughts of sense gratification, our desires, etc. And when we move away from there to the desire of spiritual master, desire of Krishna, desire of the devotees, then we are making a huge jump in our consciousness. That is the beginning point where we get a deeper access to Shastra. Because now we are not in the center, rather Krishna is in the center. And then the spiritual knowledge will make more sense. So this is actually a very important step in our Krishna consciousness. That happens gradually, it's not a one-day thing. But gradually when we are moving and thinking towards Krishna's pleasure, then this knowledge becomes accessible and we get more realization about it. To give a practical example, anyone can chant Hare Krishna. Even as devotees, we all are chanting 16 rounds of Hare Krishna Mahamata. However, there is a huge difference in chanting if each one, if we chant with strong material desires. For example, I just like Karmis, I have all my material desires very strongly in my heart. To maybe need to get a house, money, this, that, facilities. Very strong desire. I need recognition, very strong desire. And I will pursue for everything. And on top of that, I will chant 16 rounds. I will chant, I will get my 16 rounds done. 
but my objective is something else. Understand it, it's not for sure. But the desire, the material desires are very strong and it is reflected in one's life by one's endeavors. Second, I will endeavor because I need to survive in this world, especially for a girl. I have to survive in this world. I will endeavor, I may need a house, I may need a job, I need a bank balance. That's all right. But I know very clearly that, that this is not the purpose of life. I will try to have quality chanting and understanding that whatever I am getting by material endeavor is going to come into my mind and I am not going to get any satisfaction out of it. If one is clear on that point and then if one is chanting Hare Krishna Mahamantra, one gets much different result. So the first case, one will not get much access to the scriptures. The same knowledge, one will not get much access to the scriptures. One will not be able to go deeper. It is guaranteed. And on the other side, if one is more sincere and one is able to control one's material desire, it can come to the mind, one is controlling that and preaching to our own mind, then one gets a much deeper sense of the scriptures. So it is very much subjected to our own consciousness. And that's where Krishna consciousness becomes a uh, very dynamic process. It is not a static process. And that's why devotees say we can read these scriptures again and again. Why is it possible? Because each time we read, we can go deeper and deeper. So it is not like, you know, I already I have done the first canto of Bhagavatam. I have studied Bhagavatam. Or I have done Bhakti Shastri. I have done Bhagavatam. It doesn't work like that. In other words, in Bhakti Shastri, in the Shastri studies, we do some analysis. We have some tools of analysis, which are good. But that's not the aim of Shastri study. That is only a beginning step to help us to understand, analyze. For example, okay, why Arjuna didn't want to fight? So it's an important piece of information. Okay, Arjuna didn't want to fight. Why? Okay, good. We can tell, okay, one, two, three, four, five. But just by knowing that, we haven't understood the first chapter of Bhagavad Gita. It is far deeper than that. There is much more than that. Are we able to see this Arjuna's reasons in our own life and in this world? That's the next question. So Shastrik study it is good, very important. But that is only as at the beginning. It is familiarizing us and of course it is giving us some realization of Shastra. But that is only a beginning. The Shastrik study never stops. It's a lifetime process. So these are some uh, hand-holding, that's all, which are very important, but just hand-holding. So the understanding of Shastra and applying and realizing is a lifetime process. And as time progresses, we can know how the same verses of Bhagavad Gita and Bhagavatam are making more sense to us. That's why if we want to go deeper in our Krishna consciousness, we need to have dependency on Krishna. There is a, I explained, just somehow other getting rounds done and chanting with dependency are different. Chanting with dependency, doing devotion with dependency on Krishna is very important. I am dependent on you. I need you. That's a quite a deeper feeling and that is very important in the devotees. If we simply try to do any service or any sadhana, a bit with sincerity, 
then naturally dependency will come because we realize that we cannot do it by our own strength just trying to chant sincerely sixteen rounds here in sixteen rounds we realize that okay I cannot do it by my my own strength you can try to do any service after some time mind will start playing up so then if you want to pursue and if you want to do that service in a deeper way one has to depend on Krishna that's why service or sadhana with dependency on Krishna is very important and that dependency will purify us and it will take ourselves to the next level of Krishna consciousness so Krishna consciousness it's a continuing process it's a deepening process always and what are the uh, determining factors for our level of Krishna consciousness of course it is based on our stages of bhakti the quality of chanting the offenses that we are committing the quality of remembrance that we have about Krishna the mentality of selfishness I and mine and the influence of lower gunas as it is mentioned by Rajas and Tamas and also higher guna like Sattva all these things are factors influencing our stages of bhakti where we are placed and depending on that we have different levels of access to scriptures so this is what our scriptures are giving and in here in this verse 7 there is this fantastic description of Ananta Dev is presented the transcendental form of Ananta Dev right what can we see he is a snake Ananta Dev is a multi-hooded snake but the description here is fantastic he is very beautiful, he is very garland, he has blue clothes, he has his claw. Think about him, <laughs> a snake. And one may say he is just far out, is it true? Even the description of Matsudev in Bhagavatam is amazing. Matsudev is the fish incarnation. He is considered as an emblem of beauty. <laughs> he is an emblem of beauty. The Matsudev manifests beauty. So we think, you know, fish can a fish manifest beauty. So attractive this fish was. Similarly, here Anantadev is also very attractive, very beautiful. How can we accept that? Yes, this is beyond matter. This knowledge is beyond matter. And anything is possible. See here, he wears golden belt around his waist and a Vijayanti garland of ever-fresh Tulasi blossom around his neck. See, he has Vijayanti garland, he has Tulasi manjaris and bees intoxicated by the honey-like fragrance of the Tulasi flowers hum very sweetly around the garland which thus become more and more beautiful. This is, this is the description of the Lord. With a material consciousness, who can accept this? Impossible. A serpent being decorated by this way. And that's why the knowledge from parampara is very important. Parampara knowledge will establish the right understanding in our heart and it will develop the right faith. Anantadev is Supreme Lord of course and in, his, in this case generally the Anantadev who holds the universe uh, is a Shaktiyavash avatar. He's the Jiva empowered by the Supreme Lord. At the same time, the Anantadev, on him, Vishnu lies down, he is actually expansion of the Lord. 
So this Ananda Dev, who is under the bottom of the universe, is Shaktiya Veshavata. So the Jiva empowered uh, to act in that capacity. And that Ananda Dev is glorious because he preaches Srimad Bhagavata. So here we are hearing the glories of Ananda Dev. This Ananda Dev preaches Srimad Bhagavata. He gives purport to Srimad Bhagavata, which was heard by Kumaras. We can hear in the third canto of Bhagavatam. Sanat Kumara and other Chadush Kumaras, they heard the purpose of Bhagavatam from this Anandadev. And these Sanat Kumaras and other Sanakadis, they spoke to Sankhyana Rishi. Sankhyana Rishi spoke this Bhagavatam to uh, Parashramani and Brihaspati. So we can see we have two lines of Srimad Bhagavatam coming. One coming from Lord Brahma to Naradamani to Vyasadev and another Bhagavatam coming from Anandadev to the Kumaras to Sankhyanamani to uh, Parashara to Vyasadev. You can see multiple lines coming and all of them in our Bhagavatam what we are reciting. Everything is in there. And that's why Anandadev is a glorious person. He's holding the universe and he's impregnated with transcendental knowledge which he awarded to the Kumaras. Here, there is a very interesting description of how Sankarsana Anandadev removes all the ignorance is given. I remember our Mahanaprabhu, he asked always this question, how Lord Shiva removes ignorance of the living entities. That is actually answered in this verse. Sankarsana, what he does, it's mentioned, if one is hearing this, if one hears, the glories of Anandadev in the specific succession, as it is mentioned in the purport, we hear, we can hear the glories of Anandadev from our discipline succession and we do accept that. If one hears this knowledge from the discipline succession and if one does meditate on Sankarsana, then the Lord enters the heart and then he cuts to pieces the heart nodes within the heart. What are the heart nodes? That of the material nature which has been tied tightly since time immemorial. So that heart not always refers to ignorance in Shastra. Hridaya Granthi is referring to ignorance specifically. Whenever the term Hridaya Granthi is used, it is referring to ignorance. So that's why, that's why it's mentioned heart not within the heart, which has been tied tightly since time immemorial by the desire to dominate the material nature through fruity activities. What is that ignorance? By that ignorance, one wants to do fruitive activities. So that is cut into pieces. How the Lord enters the heart. The same meaning as Srinodam Sokatha Krishna Punya Shravana Kirtana Hridayan Tastokya Bandirani Vidhurnoti Shurtsatam So that Shurtsatam Suhrut Satam Satam Suhrut Satam means of the devotee. Shurut, he is a friend well-wisher of the devotee. So he enters the heart and he does the purification. We cannot purify our heart. Just by hearing we can get purification. Because the Lord is entering. The sound vibration is not different from Krishna. So he can purify us. We cannot purify our heart. Can we purify our heart? No. Not possible. The Lord can do that. There is this pastime where Ramanuja Acharya, great Acharya in the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya, he was having a debate with a Mayavadi. And that debate went on for few days. Both were quoting scriptures 
and establishing their viewpoint. So, Ramanujacharya was defending Vaishnavism and then establishing Vaishnavism and at the same time he was attacking Mayavad philosophy coming from the Shankarites. But this Mayavadi, he started quoting verses and he started establishing the Mayavadi philosophy in such a way that at one point Ramanujacharya started thinking, I may even get defeated. So then he went back, he prayed to the Lord, what can I do now? Because looks like I am going to defeat. So next day is the final day of the debate. Looks like I am going to get defeated. Then the Lord came in the dream and told him, you have to, I forgot the name of the Acharya, you have to read the commentary of this particular Acharya and then you will be able to defeat him. And the next day, Ramanuja Acharya went, he read the commentary, he went for the argument. But just seeing the effulgence of Ramanuja Acharya, this Mayavadi surrendered. He didn't have to even argue. So this is the power of the Lord. So actually the purification is done by the Lord. We cannot purify ourselves. The Lord is doing that. How he does that? But out of his coarseness mercy, he can enter the heart and he can purify. And that is mentioned here. Sankarsana, he enters the heart and he does purify. So whatever purification, it is done by the Lord. And so, we have to obtain this knowledge from the disciplic succession. Otherwise, it is not going to function. Prabhupada explains always why Bhagavad Gita as it is, is making devotees. And other Bhagavad Gita are, are not making devotees. Because there, is, there, there has to be a proper sambandha, yeah? so proper knowledge of connection to Krishna, proper sambandha, proper abhideya, and then prayajana. If sambandha or the connection is understood wrongly, then one is not going to get the prayajana, one is not going to get to the result. So as simple as that, that's the reason. Any simple devotee can understand even the deepest knowledge in Krishna consciousness, can have depths of realization simply by hearing from the spiritual master and acting according to that. So this is a contribution of Srila Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada presented this bona fide knowledge in great depth. In great depth. The, the amount of literature that Srila Prabhupada has given is just simply amazing. So that is our good fortune. And that is a good fortune for the whole world. This glories of Ananta are being described in this Bhagavata. And we are given sufficient understanding to know that. As it is mentioned here, Narada is glorifying the Lord in the assembly of Lord Brahma using his Kumburu or along with this Gandharva Kumburu by chosen poetry, chosen verses. The Lord is Uttama Shloka. And that knowledge is available for us because we are coming in the same disciplic succession. And through that, we can purify ourselves. So I conclude and ask if there any questions or comments. Okay. Thank you very much. Grantrashina Bhagavatam ki jai, Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Anantadev ki jai.